Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Let's get to the message now. I invite you to turn uh, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, in those soft cover Bibles that you have there in the seats, it should be page uh, 735. Um, page 735. Uh, and so I invite you to turn there. As you're turning there, um, we had some there's some news this week, wasn't there? A lot of news. Um, apparently there was a wedding. Anybody watch? Pastor Dre put this up on his Twitter feed, yes. Anybody, uh, anybody actually watched? How many of you got up early? Come on, admit it. How many got up early to go watch the royal wedding? Yeah, John, put your hand up. I know you were texting me. 7.30, I get a text. Dude, this preacher is pretty cool. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, seriously? You're, you're watching the wedding and you're texting me at 7.30 on a Saturday about the wedding. So my daughter was up. I was like, all right, sure, blame your daughter. Um, but I know some of you watched and apparently it was a, a really, uh, everybody was very pleased with everything. So it went, went really well. I did not really watch too much, but my daughter did. Um, so interesting news. Also, had some bad news this week. There was a lot of bad news this week. It uh, started with a bus accident in North Jersey. Um, there were some kids just involved in a, in a terrible accident. And then, uh, and then the shooting. Another shooting in Texas. Um, I hate it. I'm tired of it, right? When kids hurt, I don't like it. Um, it makes me hold my own kids a little closer. Every time, you know, and they come off the bus, you're just like, man, there's things we shouldn't be taking for granted, you know. But really, I mean, these are just kids, right? I saw statistics, you know, the statistics for shootings. It's just, it's astronomical what happens here in America with our kids in our schools. Um, and I just feel like, you know, listen, as a church, we've got a responsibility to do something. We can pray. And prayer is absolutely important and strategic. And uh, actually, let's, let's just take a minute. Can we pray real quick? Let's just pray for the families. Heavenly Father, God, you see the pain being felt today by families from here in New Jersey and to Texas. Lord, and everywhere in between, Lord, there are countless stories that we don't hear about that happen every day. Lord, where, where parents and families lose their kids, whether to tragedy or violence, some other way, Lord, there's just so much pain in our world. God, today specifically, we pray for the families, those involved in that bus accident or in this shooting. God, would you bring comfort somehow, some way? Would you just bring your presence? Would you just pour out love on them right now in their time of need? Lord, would you help us figure out Lord, what it is that we need to figure out as a, as a nation to protect our kids better? we're not doing it very well. Lord, now it's, it's becoming political and it's complicated and it's messy, but God, I believe that there's something that we can do to help. There's a way through. And God, I ask you for wisdom. Give our leadership wisdom. Give them understanding. Help us as a nation take responsibility for our kids to do what we have to to care for them. I thank you, God. I, I thank you that you love us. You love every life. Lord, and you grieve over every life that is taken and, and that suffers. Lord, and I, I, just, I just pray that you would do what only you can do to help us at this time. It's in your name we pray. 
Amen. I know I'm not the only one who hates it when kids suffer, you know. And the reality is we were all kids once, right? We were all, I mean, most of us. I don't know if any of you were born as adults, but um, like I'd like to see a picture of Andy as a baby. Like I think that'd be interesting. Like, did you have a beard? I don't know, maybe. Um, But whether a parent or not, like we're responsible for our kids. Like you don't have to be a parent to be responsible for kids, right? Like if you're out and you see a kid being abused, you don't go, well, that's not my kid. Right? If you see a kid in danger, you don't go, ah, it's not my kid. Right? We can't do that. We don't get a pass just because they're not biologically ours. Right? We have a responsibility to care for those who can't care for themselves. Jesus revealed God's heart for kids very clearly. He said, if you don't care for one of these little ones, I'm going to fit you for some cement shoes. That's what he said. Actually, no, he was a little more direct. He said, it'd be better for you to have a large stone tied around your neck and you'll be thrown into the depths of the sea. I'm telling you, Jesus was mafia. Don't mess with kids. God cares deeply about children and He holds us accountable. See, the heart of the Father, which we just finished a series on this, is it's for the vulnerable. It's for the lost and, and the needy. Vulnerability isn't a matter of age either. It's not like just that kids are the only ones that are vulnerable. Like there's plenty of vulnerable people all over the place, regardless of age. It's vulnerability is the inability to defend or protect oneself. That's what vulnerability is. It means you're exposed, you're open. Adults can be vulnerable. It takes all different forms. It can be we can be physically vulnerable. We can be emotionally vulnerable, right? You can be mentally vulnerable. You can be spiritual vulnerable. Spiritually vulnerable. It's not easy to keep saying vulnerable over and over. God actually uses the language of children and infants to talk about us and our faith. He says, some of you are like babies. And you just, spiritually, and you just need milk. And he says, and some of you need to grow up and eat some real food and go move on to maturity. See, faith is this journey, though, from infancy to adulthood. It really is. So if, I don't know where you are in your faith journey. Some of you might say, I'm, I'm a toddler. Some of you might say, you know, I'm a senior citizen. I got my card. I've been doing this a long time. Like you're on the journey, but it's a journey from from infancy to adulthood. And the young in faith, just like the young in age, are vulnerable. See, a new life's been created spiritually when something happens. When we come to faith, it's something new. God has birthed something new in us, and it's exciting, and everybody's happy. But guess what? That that new life, that new spirit, is vulnerable. There's much to be done before it comes to maturity to the point that it can live on its own. This is the reality. When we come to faith, it's not like instantly I'm made perfectly holy. I do everything right. Like, I don't know if anybody had that experience. Like, you, you find Jesus, you have a relationship with God, and all of a sudden you're perfect. I don't know if anybody has it. I didn't have that experience, right? It's a process. We're all in process. Right? It's called sanctification. It's this thing where, where hopefully today I look more like Jesus than I did yesterday, but I hope, and then tomorrow more like than, than I was today. Right? It's this process. We're all in the process. We're all growing. And we need guidance and wisdom and protection from others to help us get there. The reality is when you're new to faith, you're vulnerable. This series is Sons and Daughters. And it's all about how to care for those in need. It's interesting. We started this series on Mother's Day. We're going to end it on Father's Day. 
We didn't plan that necessarily, but we're going to pretend like we did because that really is pretty cool. Now, not all of us are mothers and fathers. I understand that. But we all should be in a spiritual sense. We're all meant to have spiritual sons and daughters. That's the essence of this series, that you are meant to raise spiritual sons and daughters. God has called you to raise sons and daughters. So how do we do that? What does that look like? Fortunately for you, that's what I'm going to talk about today. So that's where we're going to get to our passage here. So I'm going to read in a minute from Matthew chapter 4 about Jesus and how he started to make disciples because discipleship is essentially the process of making sons and daughters. That's what discipleship is about. It's raising spiritual sons and daughters. And so as we talk about Jesus, listen for a theme here. I'm going to read a few, few verses. I'm going to skip to some, <coughs> to some others after and listen if you hear a common theme in what Jesus is doing or what he's saying. So Matthew chapter 4, we'll pick it up in verse 18. You can read along. It'll be on the screen as well. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Verse 21, A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee repairing their nets, and he called them to come too. They immediately (laughs) followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. I'm going to skip to John chapter 1. It should be on the screen as well. It says, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person, Moses. The prophets wrote about his name as Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself. Philip replied, Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. What do you notice? Over and over and over again, two words, right? Come follow. Come follow. Come follow. That's what he keeps saying over and over and over again. Come follow. Right? Coming requires movement and action. Jesus invites them to leave where they're going and to go somewhere new. See, if you want to discover something more than what you have, you have to move. It takes action. We know this. We have to actually move. Come. Right? But he doesn't just point them in a direction. He invites them to go with him. He doesn't just say, okay, go. He doesn't just say action. He just say go. He says, okay, come and come with me. Come follow me. Follow, it implies direction, right? I will go with you personally. I won't just show you, but I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to show you. I'm not just going to tell you. So come follow me. Hey, walk with me. See, the road from spiritual infancy to maturity is very simple. Follow Jesus. That's it. That's the road to to maturity. Follow Jesus. Seems pretty simple. Step where he steps. Wherever Jesus goes, you go. I know this is not complicated. This is all really new. Don't worry. I'm going somewhere with it. Trust me. When you're watching where Jesus goes, something happens along the way. You see things. 
You see things along the way. See, you see what Jesus does along the way. You ever walk with somebody? You notice things when you walk with them. So how many of you are fast walkers? How many of you are slow walkers? Okay. You should never walk next to each other. Now, I don't know what you think I might be, right? Little guy, really little legs. Really, I'm, I'm like all torso, right? Like I've got like, like a really short inseam. It's like 15. No, it's like, it's, it's really short. But let me tell you, I just find myself walking and I just I walk fast. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe I got big feet and I take bigger steps. I don't know. But I just like moving, man. I don't know. I walk fast. But you notice that when you walk next to somebody, you notice their gait, right? You notice what how they walk. If they if they you know those people that walk and they just can't walk straight. They just sort of turn and you're like walking. You're supposed to be walking side by side and they keep hitting you. Like how can you can't walk in a straight line? It's just one foot in front of the other. Keep going. And they just have to keep going in your lane. Like, come on. Right? You notice some things when you walk with people. Right? When you, when you spend time with people, you notice, wow, you breathe a lot. Out loud. Um, right? Or you just talk a lot. Right? Or, or things like that. You notice things about people. You notice how they smell. You notice what they talk about. You notice all these things when you just spend time with people. When you spend time with Jesus, here's what you... Notice. You notice what he does along the way. Wow, do you really stop everywhere? Right? Do, do, do you point out every Starbucks that we drive by, Kevin? Really? Like every single one we're driving and you've got to say, oh, Starbucks, Starbucks, Starbucks. Yeah, I, I know it. I can see the sign. I know what it looks like. But you've got to point it out. Right? You notice what he does along the way. You see who he talks to. You overhear what he talks about when you're with Jesus. You watch who he defends. You hear who he offends. You begin to pay attention to things with Jesus. When we follow Jesus, we learn much more than a direction. We learn his heart. When you walk with Jesus, Jesus loved others despite their brokenness. And you observe this when you're with him. He talked to people that others overlooked. He stopped for people others walked by. Jesus helped people that others ignored. He celebrated people others were frustrated at. Jesus gave when others kept. He rested when others hurried. He kept going when others would stop. He was silent when others yelled. He spoke up when others looked the other way. Jesus extended grace when others were judging. He offered mercy when some were picking up stones. See, when you follow Jesus, you see much more than just a direction. You see how He lives and what He values. You see His heart. Let me tell you, when you walk with Jesus, you don't have to... He doesn't have to point out things in my life that are, that are wrong. I know it. When I'm walking with Jesus, it's like, oh boy, I'm not... Oh, I didn't do that. All right, I'm, I judge that person and he wouldn't. Oh, there's conflict here. Right? He's telling me to talk to that person and I don't want to. There's conflict here. Right? You can just feel it. Listen, I'm a disaster next to Jesus. Right? Like when I'm walking with Jesus, it's like, oh man. But... When I walk with Him, I also don't find condemnation. I find grace and forgiveness and help. I find that He believes in me. He never gives up on me. He goes above and beyond to help me. He restores what others have taken from me. He heals what is broken in me. And then something unbelievable happens. So as I'm walking with Jesus, I'm noticing all this about Him. I'm paying attention to all this. He says, hey, just come follow. So I'm just walking with him. 
Right? I'm not just going out chasing a religion. That's the difference, discipleship, right? Not going out trying to learn all the things. He just says, hey, just walk with me. So I'm just walking with Jesus day to day. Just walking with Jesus, noticing things along the way. That's what discipleship is. I'm walking with Jesus, picking him up along the way. And somewhere along the way, Jesus does this. Matthew 28, verse 18. He came and told his disciples, the guys who were just walking with him. The guy, and this is really just about a month after every single one of them denied him. So they've been walking with him. He comes to the cross. They scatter. He has a, he's only got 12 guys walking with him. Of the 12, 11 scatter. The one doesn't scatter. He runs to him to, to betray him, to sell him out. I mean, Jesus is like 0 for 12 in terms of success rate. Now they're back together again. These guys are like, wow, you're here? I thought, right? So this is what happened post. So Jesus is back. He's with the disciples again. And he says, listen, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, so I'm going to squish you guys for leaving me, for failing me, for letting me down, for running away, for doing this so poorly. You should have known better. No, he says this, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, I'm going to send you out. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, the ones who were following and is walking with him, he says, guess what? Now I'm going to send you out to go walk with others. Send you out to go walk with others. These are guys who were failures. He says, I'm going to send you out anyway. I believe in you. See, the heart of the Father is to find the lost and the vulnerable. And as we walk with the Father, our heart begins to become more like His heart. We begin to develop a love for other people that we did not have before. Some of you are in here today, and if I asked you if you have love for other people, you would say genuinely, no. I do not have love for other people. Outside my family, no. I could care less. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. You would just say that. And guess what? That's okay to be honest. But God, when you walk with Him, He does something. He transforms the heart. And people you used to, I couldn't stand them, all of a sudden you've got, for some reason, compassion. I never would have cared what happened to them. And now that person makes me nuts and God is just changing. I hate it. He's changing the way I see them. And now I'm praying for them and wishing them well. I don't know what this is. It's God working in here because as you walk with Him, your heart becomes like His heart. This is why we are. This is why God has made us. To know Him, to make Him known. Very simply. And God has been given all authority to do this. You don't have to be impressive. You don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to be somebody who walks with Jesus. You walk with Jesus, you're qualified. The only qualification that I see in the entire Great Commission, which is what we just read, that's what that is. That's the Great Commission. That's the one thing we're supposed to be doing on this planet to go make disciples, sons and daughters. That's it. That's our mission. The only qualification I see for that is this. Ready? It's, it's, pay attention. This is the most important two words of your entire... Don't put it up. Ready? This is the most important two words. This is going to guarantee you success in raising sons and daughters. Here it is. Ready? Two words. Put them up, Dustin. Keep close. That's it. Keep close. I will be with you 
always. I'm not just sending you out. I'm with you. Just walk in step with me. Stay close. Stay close. You ever walk with your kids somewhere? Great adventure, the mall, doesn't matter where you are. What do you say to any crowd of people? Stay close. Keep close. Just walk with me. Because I got you. Because I got because I've got all authority. Jesus says, I've got all authority. So you hang with me. You're with the one who's got all authority. Just stay close. Stay close. Keep close to me. I'm with you always. Nothing in my life has been more overwhelming than being a dad. I've never felt less qualified for anything. Seriously. I mean, there are days I wonder how I'm a pastor, how anybody listens to anything I have to say, like I've earned nothing. I wonder how I'm adult. Like how, how, how am I, like how, how do I, how am I a homeowner, right? Like there are overwhelming moments, right? Like, but nothing compares to the challenge for me of being a parent. So much so that I've come to this brilliant conclusion. Can't do it. That's it. I just don't have what it takes. I cannot do this. Um, what's true, though, in, this, in the natural is true in the spiritual. I'm not alone. So the thing that's going to help me raise my kids is very simple. It's the same thing that's going to help us raise sons and daughters. It's keep close. Keep close. That's it. God is with me and it changes everything. You may be here saying, I could never be a spiritual mother or father to anyone. You don't know who I am. You don't know how little I know. I'm a wreck. I can't even read my Bible and pray without falling asleep. I swear too much, get angry too often. I do what I know is wrong far too often. I can't raise spiritual sons and daughters, not me. Maybe somebody else, I'm just not good enough there. I'm not strong enough, smart enough, close enough. Hey, Welcome to the club. Jesus sent out eleven who had disowned him to his face. They walked with Jesus. Come on. God does not enlist us to make disciples because of how holy we are, but because of how good he is. It's not about us. He's with you. And he says, Keep close and let's go. Keep close. And let's go do this. Faith is not for professionals. Neither is discipleship. Neither is raising spiritual sons and daughters. How many of you are professional parents? You laugh because it's stupid. There are no professional parents. Just like there are no professional disciple makers. Like It's not up to just the pastors. Right? Because guess what? I don't even do it that great. I'm trying, but we're all works in progress. Right? That's it. Faith is not for professionals. Passing it on is not for professionals. It's about all of us keeping close and walking with God. Over the next few weeks, we'll break down more of what it really looks like when we do that and how we do that. And we'll look at some examples. But the need is urgent. The need is urgent. Again, Matthew chapter 9 says, Jesus travels through towns and villages, teaching in synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he heals every disease and illness. And says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused. Listen, they were confused and helpless. Like children in our world right now. He says, like sheep without a shepherd. 
They were vulnerable. He saw all these people who were eager to believe something, but they were vulnerable. They needed somebody to protect them, somebody to guide them, somebody to walk with them. And he says to his disciples, listen, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Listen, the the need is great. There are kids everywhere. But we just need more parents. We just need more parents. And he said, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the kids and ask Him to send more parents. It's my translation, but that's what it means. God's heart breaks for the lost. They are orphans. They are left to fend for themselves in a world that is harsh and dangerous. And the solution for vulnerable children is adults who care. That's it. It does not have to be biological. We are called to have spiritual sons and daughters. My sister is a foster mom. She doesn't have biological children, but she cares for those kids. She defends them. These are children that are vulnerable. And she says, I got them. I'll do what I can. And God is saying, spiritually, do the same thing. I see people like children. And it doesn't matter how old they are. See, the problem is we see people and they're like, well, they got a house and a car and they're good. They don't need anything. And no, on the outside, they look like adults. But on the inside, they're vulnerable spiritual children who know nothing about who God is. And they are vulnerable to the enemy who wants to just do nothing more than steal, kill, destroy. My parents have taught me much about faith. Many of you know them. They've given me a solid foundation in my life. But so have Gordon and Joyce, my in-laws. They've taught me much. And so have Jeff and Pam, my youth pastors. They taught me much about life. And so did Uncle Ralph and Aunt Debbie, who weren't blood, but it didn't matter. They were just friends of my parents who taught me much about faith. And brother and sister Raprosky taught me much about faith, who were friends of my parents who became my grandparents-in-law when I married their granddaughter. But they cared for me before I was ever dating Anna. I think of Daniel McNaughton and David Dippold and Paul Jackson and Ron Bradley. There are these people in my life that have poured into me. I'm the product of so many who saw me as more than just some kid, but as a son in the faith. They saw me. And they spoke into me. They shared their testimonies and their their pain and their experiences and what they knew about God and their hopes and their dreams and their fears. And we talked honestly about things like what is a church and what about racism and and what about fatherhood. And we talked about things and they, they raised me. They showed me things. They taught me things. They poured into my life. Can I say today, not we should, not we could, but we must raise sons and daughters in the faith. We must. So how do we do that? Each month we've suggested a X factor, a way for us to kind of grow in our faith personally. This month it's praying for one. Praying for one. And it's somebody perhaps you see as a spiritual son or daughter in the faith. And it doesn't matter about age. It's just somebody that you can raise. Listen, sons and daughters don't stay sons and daughters forever. I do not relate to my parents the same way I did. We now talk. There's a sense that my parents have released me now. They're still my dad, but I, 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 I'm, an, I'm an adult now. I raise children. 
right? You don't raise sons and daughters just to keep them sons and daughters forever, but it's to raise them, to send them out, to go raise more sons and daughters. Be fruitful and multiply. It's a year of multiplication. This is what it's all about. Honestly, this series is probably the most important series of any that we'll do all year long because this is the heart and soul of what I feel like God is telling us to do now. It's time. It's time. Keep praying for one. You have cards, hopefully, in your programs that you received today. You can take it out right now. It's got a, it should have a light bulb on it. Week one, we prayed for their heart. Week two, we prayed for their soul. Week three, we're praying for, for minds. If you have not picked anybody yet, if you're new to this, hey, pick somebody that for the remainder of this month, every single day, you will commit to praying by name for. And to this week, those are just some prayer points, things you can pray for their mind, for God to do things in them. It's one thing to pray for them, but it's also something else to walk with them, to get involved in their life. You know, trust is the currency of relationships. And presence can earn trust. So very simply, show up. Be present. Be present. Walk with me and I'll walk with you. Let me say, look at the state of our world. Do we need help? Are there vulnerable people out there? Let me say, I think the vulnerable people are growing every day. I don't think we're doing enough. (laughs) I think they're outnumbering us dramatically. The harvest is great and the workers are few. There's so many kids out there who need parents. And we have all authority to go care for them. As I close this morning, if you will commit to loving people enough to help them when they're vulnerable, here's what's going to happen. You will leave a legacy of faith that is passed on for generations. You can start something that will outlive you. Our township, listen, I like trees. You know, it's our township at Free Tree Day. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I went and got my free trees. I got some, uh, a couple of dogwoods and a, um, a Vermont spruce. If any of you know your trees, dogwoods mature in about 20, 30 years. Vermont spruces, 75 to 80 years. It was like this big. I planted it. Listen, that's long-term vision right there. That's what that is. The best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago, next best time, today. Why did I plant that tree? Because I'm enjoying trees that I didn't plant. I walk outside and somebody else had the vision to plant a tree for the future so that I could sit under that shade. Plant trees under whose shade you might never sit. Let's have vision beyond our lifetime. When we raise sons and daughters, it may have nothing to do with you. But it may be about what God wants to do someday in a day you will never see. It's a vision beyond our lifetime. Start something that will outlive you. It's a legacy. I've talked about this before. I love this. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple. Try and you know, count seeds an apple. You, got the, you, know, you don't eat the core, but you can maybe you know, five, six, seven, eight, I don't know, seeds in an apple. It says, but God knows the number of apples contained in a seed. One seed becomes a tree. And how many apples come from a tree? What you do is you're planting a seed. It's one life, but you have no idea what that will become. The harvest always outnumbers the seed. It always outnumbers the seed. What you plant will always multiply. God can produce more through you than He ever will in you. 
It's just how it works. It's multiplication. I plant and I reap a harvest 30, 60, and 100 times as much as I planted. You can't beat the math. We need to invest. Our world needs it. Our world needs it. I'm going to close in prayer, and then I think I'm going to, I'm going to show you a video. Well, and it's, just a, it's a song. It's a song that very simply just says, the world needs Jesus. And as, as we close, I just want you to kind of look at, well, we'll have the song up there with some of the lyrics. I just want you to think about it. Let it speak to you. As we pray, just say, God, what are you speaking to me? How can I raise sons and daughters, both biological but perhaps somebody else? How can I raise a son or a daughter in the faith to plant a seed under whose shade I may never sit, but who may impact the world far beyond what I can? Let's take a minute and pray, and then we'll put that song on. God, we thank you today for the spiritual parents in our own lives. God, for the people that you've put in our life to guide, to direct, to speak wisdom into us, to see us as sons and daughters who weren't so consumed with their own life that they didn't care about anybody else's. Lord, we thank you for those people. Lord, we thank, we thank you for them by name. You know who they are, God. And God, we commit to praying for one, Lord, for the one person that you have put on our heart to pray for. Perhaps as you would give us a heart of a parent for them, to see them as a son or a daughter in the faith, as someone who is vulnerable, that we can care and, and defend. Lord, I thank you that you walk with us. Lord, that you just tell us that the only requirement for this is to keep close to you. That you are with us always. Lord, we commit to raising sons and daughters and we accept your charge to keep close. Lord, let's go. May spiritual sons and daughters be raised to know you. And will they, will they Lord, make you known for generations to come? Would you just take what we give, what we offer, and would you multiply it in ways that only you can? I thank you, Lord. We need you right now more than ever. In your name we pray. Amen. When our homes are hit by heartbreak, let your presence meet us there. When the pain seems overwhelming, we hold on to you. When the streets are torn by Let our lives align with every word.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.